You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. It is Judd's Hockey Show. It's a Wednesday edition of Judd's Hockey Show. So when those of you watching on YouTube see the screen, you're not only going to see the uh, charming Declan Goff, the elderly Judd Zolgad, but also the beauty of the show, Jesse Pierce, our friend from the Bar Down Beauties, and of course, uh, the Before I Die podcast on Score North. Uh, Jesse covers the Wild for NHL.com, and uh, you, you do what? About a couple of beauties um, uh, podcasts a week, at least? with uh, One one full episode per week, but we're flooding social media with all the clips, everything. You cannot escape this. It's I you and Declan. It's you and Declan just flooding <laughs> social media, trying to get on Twitter more, trying to get on the talk more. Mm-hmm. It's good to hear. It's good to hear. All right, let's start with this, Jess. Uh, we we actually, Dex and I did a Judd's Hockey Show after the Devils Wild game last night, which was a great finish with Matt Boldy scoring, I think, with a couple seconds left officially on the clock. But I deemed it pretty damn near close to the perfect road game. Like, mm-hmm. I was really impressed. Your thoughts on on what was one of, I think, the best games of the season, just from a fan standpoint, but also if you're Dean, you had to be overjoyed with that game. I mean, it was a complete game from Minnesota. You haven't seen much of those, even during their stretches where they're winning by large margins or they're on this little streak or run. You haven't still seen a full, complete game where the defense is clicking, the goaltending's clicking, and then you're getting some offensive scoring as well. Matt Boldy scoring that overtime goal, 1.3 seconds left. Absolutely gassed. Like, I cannot applaud that little 21-year-old enough lately. Uh, he's got six goals, 10 points in his last six games, and that's been since Kaprizov has been out too. So that's tremendous. Great for Boldy to uh, get that overtime winner. Now, from a fan standpoint, and I know I was watching the game with some fans and, you know, it was, it was kind of a boring game, right? Like it was a very tight structured defensive game. Bite your tongue. But Bite that's, your tongue. But I'm going to say, you're, can I finish? <laughs> Jeez Louise. But that's exactly the type of game. A, you need in the playoffs. B, you need against a team like the New Jersey Devils who are so freakishly fast that you need to shut them down. You need to be stingy. And the defense was really up for it. A couple mistakes here and there, but I thought they overall played fairly well. And then when they didn't, Philip Gustafson, that third period, man, like he was on cue. He was absolutely fantastic. 47 saves, a career high for him. Uh, shout out to the posts as well, which also helped both teams. I think a little bit, not just the wild, but the devils. Um, it was, it was just, it was a perfect game. It's what you're going to see. Once the regular season comes to a close, it's how you're going to have to play. Uh, and it's a very good sign for the Minnesota Wild moving forward. Yeah, it, w- it was a pretty intense game. I mean, the Devils are really good. They're they're going to be a force in the East. And, you know, the Wild have beat up on some cupcakes. But, I mean, that's that was a playoff game feel, right? I mean, nothing, nothing after two. The Wild just can't really close out games regulation, for God's sakes, to keep our heart <laughs> rates down. But uh, at the same time, to Jess's point, posts come in pretty handy. Boldy absolutely gashed, and and ever since Kaprizov went down, I don't know what it has, uh, what what's kind of flipped the switch for him here, but he's been phenomenal. He's kind of been leading this team, and 
it was a fun game. I, I thought it was great. Uh, I agree more with Judd. I lean more with Judd, even though it was boring. I actually boring. liked it. I liked the no score through 40 minutes. I thought it was intense, but a really, really fun game. Good win for the Wild. The goaltending was fantastic. That's what I liked. I mean, both goaltenders stood on, on their, you know, bleeping heads. Um, Jesse, on Boldy, I got a question for you off this, because I've struggled to, like, get right with what's going on here, because he's played, to your point, so well since Kirill went out. How much do you think it's it's him stepping up? Because we know, like, nothing he's doing shocks me. Like, like I think we've been frustrated and called him out previously, because it's not because... We think he stinks. It's because we think that there's a ton there, and he's okay. shown that. How much do you credit that and Kirill being out? And how much do you credit the acquisition of Marcus Johansson being on his, his line? Because I will say this in Matthew's defense, and all three of us have talked about this, and I believe this was a Dean mistake. It's not that Sammy Walker's great, but when we got the glimpse of Sammy Walker on the Boldy line a few months ago or a month plus ago, um, it made a difference. Like there was more speed there. Boldy looked good. And then they went back to, he went back to a grinding line. And it's like, he didn't look the same. So like when you're parsing credit out here, how much of this is Boldy somehow with Kirill out, having gotten a kick in the ass and he's shooting more. And how much is simply just the common sense of he needed to be with a speedier, more skilled guy like like Marcus Johansson. Well, I think Marcus Johansson is so much like Matt Boldy in the sense that they're both playmakers. You can't have two playmakers. You've seen that a little bit with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, right, where they're pass, 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 pass. You can't. Somebody needs to shoot the puck. And I imagine, and I know, Judd, I think you asked this post game the other night to Dean Evson, is has there been a conversation with Matt to be more selfish? Because I know once Matt signed that uh, seven-year, $7 million contract, the conversation was you need to be selfish. He needs to be a selfish player. He has a shot. I think that was Sunday night. The second goal of his three of the evening was a blistering shot. Like I had no idea he had that in him. And I think he's just got that swagger, that confidence. So I imagine it's a combination of all those things. I have to imagine Dean Ebsen and coaching staff are like, Hey dude, here's what you got to do. We need somebody to put the puck in the net and you're a guy that's capable of doing it. Um, You know, and I think Johansson is a guy that's capable of setting him up for that. Not that Matt Boldy can't do it on his own too. I mean, he has the stick work. He's got the arms and the way to move into the zone. It's just, it's fantastic. He can be an all around player, but without Kaprizov, especially, I think he's risen to that challenge. And I think it's a good sign moving forward too. I think for a while people were getting a little hard on Boldy. He wasn't scoring. He wasn't taking the shots that were there, but now he is. I mean, sometimes it's a fling of the puck on net. We've seen that time and time again, especially when you've got somebody like Jules Erickson X stepping in there too, who can deflect those, can get his body down in front. I think Boldy realizes, Hey, I'm the guy that needs to take the shot and we'll see what happens. So it's been absolutely tremendous to see him do so in this time of need, especially when 97 is down and out with that lower body injury for a bit. Yeah, I think he just needs a facilitator for him because when he was playing with guys um, like Goudreau or Sam Steele or even you know for a little bit Sammy Walker, he just I feel like he's trying to overcompensate to a degree and he's trying to do a little bit of everything. So if you get a legit you know side piece there and, and Johansson who can kind of help facilitate him and he's going to shoot a lot as it is in Matt Boldy, um, I think that's helped him kind of just awaken his game and find his lane a little bit more. Um, and it's been great. And he has been streaky. Like he's gone on stretches before the season where, yes, he wasn't scoring goals, but where he was scoring a lot of points. So he's an up and down player. He can be like this a little bit sometimes, but I think Johansson has helped awaken things a little bit for him. Mm-hmm. He's also, I think now he's a, and 
this is not to say that he does not work hard at times, but he's also an anti-grind guy. You know, I think Dean loves grinders, right? Foligno's a grinder, and that's what he is. Um, and Boldy's big enough where, where he could grind, but I think when Dean sticks him on the line and says, you go out there and, you know, you go in the corners and create, Boldy's mojo goes down. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, the guy that we've seen these past six games, yes, he is red hot right now. So I'll fully admit that. But this is closer to what we should see consistently. And, and if you can get this in the playoffs, because the important thing is in the playoffs, Kaprizov, hopefully back, he's going to be checked incredibly tightly. So, like, you can't say, well, Kirill's back, and now the scoring's all, you know. No, that's not how this is going to work. So, like, what we're seeing now is a preview of what has to keep up. And if Boldy can keep this up, there's if you're going to check Kaprizov with, with your top defenders consistently, there is no reason why a Matt Boldy can't carry this into the playoffs. And if you are going to get through a series against anybody, Jesse, this is exactly what you have to have. I mean, you certainly don't want a Kevin Fiala situation. You cannot have that happen where you're going to have this amazing regular season production that doesn't translate in to the playoffs, even when you have the opportunity. Because you're absolutely right, Judd. Obviously, Kaprizov, everybody in the National Hockey League knows what Kirill Kaprizov can do. And Kirill Kaprizov, to his credit, can still shake off two, three defensemen on any given night because that's the superstar that he is. Now, Matt Boldy, obviously not to that level, but using and utilizing kind of his special skill set, as you'd mentioned, kind of maybe the fancier plays, the fancier ability, um, because you have enough guys that are grinders on that team. Look down at the fourth line. I love that fourth line. Mason Shaw getting the first goal last night, for instance. But you have players that are willing to get down and dirty, get gritty, and still score goals. Why not add a couple of your special pretty players like Matt Boldy? I mean, not to say that Boldy is, you know, avoiding any tough areas or any by any means, but he doesn't really have that build to him anyway. Don't ask that of him, I think. And I think Dean Evson might be realizing that as well. Like, you know, this is what Matt Boldy thrives in. Judd, maybe you need to have a talk with Dean and just say, hey, you know what we're seeing from way up top bird's eye view is you need to be a little bit softer with this kid. Why does Dean avoid my question every time about every time. the team? He's like, the whole team's playing. I said, Dean, I said, that's my point. The whole team is playing. Well, every time it's like, we've always played like this. It's like, no, you haven't. I think it's uh, sometimes it, it feels a little clicky in there. You're not at practice. So Dean looks at you and he's like, who the bleep is this guy? I think you're right. What's he asking? I don't know him. <laughs> Jesse, you want to talk goalies? And I'm like, yes, let's talk goalies. <laughs> what Dean doesn't get is that I saw him play for the Whalers and Cooperalls, okay? Yes. So it's like, Dean, I know you. I know your type. <laughs> I know your 80s grinded out style, okay, dude? So let's talk. Mm-hmm. You got to bring it up. He loves talking Whalers. Bring that up next time. Smooth, smooth it in. I'll you know? come to practice one day. There you go. I'm just like ordinarily it. recording. Um, <laughs> Speaking of the fourth line, perfect segue into a topic that I think could be great fun here. Now, I'm going to do one very dangerous thing. I'm going to assume health, okay, which obviously guys are going to get hurt. But assuming health in the playoffs, assuming Kaprizov comes back, I think he will. Assuming Nyquist is set to come back from his shoulder injury for the playoffs. Um, I want to talk about line heathen. Jesse Pierce and Dex. I want to talk about who's in and who's out because I'll start off by saying this, Jess, I'm with you. That fourth line has done nothing to get scratched. Mm -hmm. Like no one from that fourth line. So Jesse, we'll start with you. 
What are you thinking as far as Kaprizov obviously plugs immediately back in, but Nyquist as well. And more importantly than that, who the hell comes out? I mean, that is, that's the the toughest thing. And unfortunately, and I know we've discussed it on this show before, Dean kind of has an aversion toward the younger guys. So he will probably look at scratching a rookie guy like Mason Shaw or Connor Dewar, who again, have done nothing to deserve being a healthy scratch. We've seen Shazi sit out a time or two this year. I don't know that Connor Dewar has been a healthy scratch this season. I could be wrong. My unpopular opinion, and I've said it once out loud, and I get very sad to say it out loud, I might sit Marcus Foligno, and I know he's the type of guy that you want in the playoffs. He's that big boating presence. He's got an A on his chest. He's a personality. Dang, he has not done a heck of a whole lot this season for me on a physical standpoint, on a production standpoint for me to really justify him being a constant when guys like Mason Shaw, Brandon Duhame coming back from injury have done more. I mean, I would look at something like that. I know it'll probably never happen. And I know people are going to hate me saying, I love I'm Marcus Foligno's biggest fan as a person, but that's who I would want to scratch. I think he deserves to take a seat at least once if he continues playing. Now, again, Foligno just getting back from a latest of a slew of injuries this year. And that could be why he has been so up and down and struggling to find his role. But I would look at something like that. I would really urge Dean to take a hard look at some of those guys and what they've really brought to the team. Because again, you asked me about Mason Shaw, Marcus Foligno, my decision's easy. I keep Mason Shaw and where it sits. This is really difficult. Um, I, I don't believe funny enough and most teams, this would be an easy thing to make, but I don't believe Shaw Dewar Reeves gets broken up and and why would they, they have a good role here going. They're not going to mess with that chemistry. It's a good fourth line. I mean, for God's sakes, I thought Shaw was going to be the hero last night when he scored the first goal, and that's going to be the only goal that happens, but uh, it, it didn't, didn't work out that way. So assuming uh, Kaprizov comes back, you take Fel- and I know yesterday Felino was on the top line, but you take Felino down, you put Kaprizov with Hartman and Zuccarello. I don't want to touch Johansson, Eck, and Boldy. That remains the same, too. That line's been great. So basically, it's a combination and trying to fit four guys in three places of Duhame, Goudreau, and Sunquist. I think Goudreau is the one who he's not going to move because he's center. And just Dean loves him. Dean he can, loves him. He can he do never, no ever wrong. Move. He can do no wrong in Dean's eyes. So he's a kid, right? He's Maybe cemented. you'll go to a shootout too, and then Freddie Hockey comes in handy. Exactly. So. No shootouts, playoffs. But that's true. That's he does true. he does lose his one great Bounty thing. Shot. If if you take away the five guys in the ice, I actually think Frederick Goudreau is one of the best hockey players on the planet. Um, so I think Goudreau is cemented as the center in that line. So again, that leaves then two spots for three players. Do you take <laughs> do you take Duhame out and put Felino and Nyquist together with Goudreau? But that means Oscar Sundquist then could potentially come out. Like I don't know any combination that has Nyquist on this team. Like. If Goudreau is going to center that line, I think Duhame is likely the one that's probably out just by skill. Like You can take Duhame out. I don't love that, but I, I can see why you would take him out. And then is it Felino and Sunquist? Is it Sunquist and Nyquist? Is it Felino and Nyquist? I like Nyquist, too. Don't you want I to like, see Nyquist? I like Nyquist, too. I don't know if there's a spot for him. I don't know if there's a spot for him. Billy G will tell Dean to make a spot for him. I then, think yeah, do you take Sonny out? I think you're right on Nyquist, and I also think that Declan's call might be so. So, Jesse, what you said at the start of the show, I think is right. First of all, Dean is going to take out younger players. 
for the most part. Now, but here's the thing. The fourth line is the fourth line. I don't know, like, we're not talking for the most part about fourth line guys. Like, I don't think you're going to make Felino a fourth line guy. I sure as heck don't think Nyquist is a, you know, because your fourth line plays a very specific role. And it doesn't play, you know, it doesn't play all of the time, perhaps, in a playoff game. So I think we're really toying like Declan just did with the top three lines. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we're trying to make room there. I think Duhame, I love how he's played, and I know that they love his his work. I think he comes out Mm -hmm. in Dean's world. Well, and let me throw another pin into this. Don't forget special teams, too. And you have to consider how your special teams look and who's playing on each of those units, especially if you're going to add. Nyquist is also tough now that you guys have me mind reeling. I want him in so bad. But he hasn't played with this team at all, right? Right. Like, what does that look like? What does that chemistry have? What could be there? I just like him as a player. He is so skilled and so talented. And part of me feels, again, I think Garen he's going to get it. He wants at least one game with him. Right. But do you, yeah, like, I don't know. So otherwise that was what's, what was the point? Right. Well, I, I don't think they ever thought that this team was going to play lo- like it mess is around and try to go for first place. in the Yeah. Central. Like I, I don't think that was expected. No. And, and look, you know, Johansson's been great. Sunquist to me, he's not a sexy player, but he plays a very important role. Like he, like I told Dex, I think he plays the greenway role as God intended it. Mm-hmm. So like, you don't have to wonder, is he going to show up now? He's not going to, it's not like he's flying around the ice and he looks fantastic, but he does his role. I don't think he's screwing up. So he stays in um, special teams. Jesse, your point is good there. Cause I don't think you bring Dewar or Shaw out from a penalty right. kill standpoint. I mean, right. those two together are electric penalty killers. Mm-hmm. They actually create offensive chances. Dewar goes and gets a shorty at like every yeah. other time. You know, it's fantastic. And I could see him in the playoffs doing exactly that. Mm-hmm. But this is, yeah, this is assuming again, and probably guys will get hurt, but assuming health, I think Duhame's out. Um, and then I guess my only question is, I have no idea who, who else you pull out. All right, you just how about you roll a thirteen forwards and you just scratch a defenseman. All right, you just Kalen uh, Addison ain't playing. Yeah, He's scratch, out, so. scratch Addison, five or scratch, uh, scratch Merrill. Yeah, go with five defensemen. You have what? What you'd have Spurgeon and Dumba and Brodeen and Middleton, Klingberg as the fifth guy, and then, and then you have you have thirteen forwards with Nyquist and Merrill. So go so goose. Does Goose play or is no. Goose out too? Goose is out. Goose Merrill, Goose is out. Addison Mer- out. So so Klingberg. I don't hate that. <laughs> so Klingberg is essentially your power play specialist. He just plays the power play. Actually, yeah. be, I, I wouldn't hate that. Right? And you occasionally and you occasionally put him in then for a shift with I don't know, Rodine or something like that. Yeah, or Spurge. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it doesn't. If that makes any sense. <laughs> Because I can't I wait hear, to read the comments float, on this. Float this by to Dean. Float this by to Dean. Do you guys want to take Reeves out at all? Like, that's another one that's going to be... I'm sure there's a ton of folks now watching this screaming, you idiots, Reeves is out. Um, do you want to take Reeves out, Jesse? I don't. It's... I mean, no. Yes. I don't know. It's... <laughs> you have to make know. up your I, mind. I know. No, I don't think so. And it's funny because you like, let's remove the 
quote unquote heater that he is on right now. Right. I just think his general presence being anywhere near the ice is terrifies the opposition, no matter who they are. Like it really is like, you cannot deny that now, whether Reeves actually steps up and actually, I think he's played very smart. I know a lot of people are wishing and clamoring that he fought more, but why? Like sometimes he just doesn't have to, like he just literally needs to skate past the opposing bench and they kind of tighten up a little bit. So no, I mean, keep him, but I don't want Shazi or Dewar out either. Like I, yeah, I, I like that fourth line. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard show podcast Monday through Friday, as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard show app, wherever you get your podcasts or visit Tom It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. We could put Duhame, although I think this this might create some shot problems. We could put Duhame, if you did scratch Reeves, down on the fourth line, right? Yeah, I mean, that adds a... And and then you, I think you you could get away with Foligno, Goudreau, Sunquist, but then you don't have a place for Nystrom. So, like, this is going to be a dilemma. I would have... A few weeks ago, I would have said Reeves comes out for sure. Yeah. But I, one, he plays, again, he plays that fourth line role to AT. And, and to your point, Jess, he doesn't do stupid things. So he's not taking penalties. Right. I think he's taken two minor penalties since he got here. And, and that's a guy that the referees are itching to give penalties to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's a very specific line. Yeah. So Duhame could do that job. but But if you are... If you're going to bring Nyquist in and stick him on the fourth line, just scratch him. Yeah. Yeah, because that's not. Decent Why don't you guys want my Felino idea? Why are we shying away from scratching Marcus Felino? I will give you $20 if Dean, <laughs> if Dean even, if it's a remote thought in Dean's mind. Hey, you like me for my hot take. But that's what, like, truly, like, your like if take. you're looking basically at just how he's performed. And again, I don't think he's ever really been fully healthy this year. Very, very rarely. I just, I I'm bummed. Like it's not, you know, there's, yeah. he's not bringing a whole lot again, not, I'm not at all looking for him to replicate last year, but I'm looking for him to get back to like the big bodied size guy. And I don't even think you're seeing as, as much of that between hits and, and physical presence. I just kind of, I know it'll never happen. Like you just don't. That's a big. It's a good hot That's pick. a big message to send if you oh, were to God. do something like that, right? Like, Dumba people could argue and understand. I don't know that most people would side with me on the Felino, but I stand by my take. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Jack, your your thoughts on seventeen minutes scratch? Uh, I don't think he's scratched yet, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they moved on from him this summer. I, I think he means a lot to that room, so I think it would take a lot, but now he's getting up there in age. Um, his offense has fallen off the map. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up moving on from him this summer. I'd be shocked if they scratched him in the playoffs unless his play was completely horrible, but I think he might be someone that they eventually do move on from this summer. Could you scratch him? So to, to go down this road at least, Jesse. You know, he has been hurt, to your point, a lot. I wonder if you could scratch him and just say upper body, mid-body, lower body, and get away with that. Because then you're not embarrassing him. Yeah, Like, it's not ideal, but that might be a way to get 
around it and at least create a rotational opportunity. I guess my question on Nyquist too is he got hurt, I think in December with the blue jackets Mm -hmm. and he has been out since then. And and they originally, I think did surgery and announced that he was done for the season and then walked that back. And that's why Bill traded for him. Um, But his conditioning and just his in-game shape might not be ideal to plug him into the play into, you know, something as intense as, playoffs but i could see a felino scenario where you just say yeah he's hurt mm-hmm. and then he's not and then it's not like well he's being scratched because he's not effective right yeah and that'd be fair to him because again marcus love him as a human nicest guy in the entire world he gave me a really cool moment you guys if i may an aside sure. i had a hockey mom ask me if i could use my any of my connections which i have none for the record um, and I had asked Marcus to send like a little quick congrats video to this little B team that was making state. And so I had my phone charging at a local watering hole. And I was like, hey, could you hand me my phone, please? And the bartender was like, do you know Marcus Felino?" And I felt so cool in that moment. I was like, ah, yes, he's just sending me this video. We're not just texting willy nilly. He just. And now you're scratching him. And now you're scratching him. And now you're scratching him. I love this. At two, Jess. I, I think probably what also happens, though, is like, let's say they open the playoffs, obviously, without Nyquist in the lineup and they roll with basically the 12 um, and assuming Kaprizov's back. Um, probably what happens if, you know, they lose game one or two, if not both, then drastic changes happen, right? Just by default. So someone's not going to be playing well in those two game sample size, whether that's a doer, whether that's Felino, whoever it is, that's probably the best logical path and, and path that makes the most sense probably getting them in if you're losing what who says i mean we bill garen has not ruled out nyquist for the regular season he has mentioned that that's not likely they're not going to rush i mean that also changes things right if he does come back and he is as good as we're hoping and as good as i'm hoping he's going to be that changes a lot too right like if nyquist gets in even just one or two games and performs out of this world i mean that solidifies his positioning heading into the playoffs too do you guys think that Dean and Bill are going to have a, a little bit of spat here too? Because the one thing that strikes me about Dean is unless you're playing really pretty bad, he, he doesn't want to scratch you. Um, Jesse, you're right. He prefers the the veteran players. But I wonder if there would be – I wonder if Nyquist would cause a little bit of a of friction because Dean might say exactly what we're saying, which is, okay, where am I supposed to play him? And Bill might say – I acquired him. You play him. Um, I just wonder if if that's going to be the one guy who causes a little bit of back and forth on how do we play him. And, you know, on Foligno, that's, that is like where to me it gets really tough. Because if, if you say, hey, Marcus, you're banged up, and he's going to really politic to play, and I don't blame him one bit. Mm-hmm. But, like, Dean, Dean strikes me, un, unless you disagree completely, Dean strikes me as like a super loyal, loves his veterans, rides with his players type of guy. You know, he's he's no torts. Um, and so I just I wonder if that's gonna create a little bit of back and forth and as I said, friction in trying to decide, okay, if Gustav Nyquist is gonna play, who comes out? And I really don't I don't wanna have to go tell a player who's been playing his ass off, hey, sorry, but Gustav is set to come back from his problem, and so now you're scratched in a playoff game. I think the nice thing is I believe Bill 
is willing to have that conversation though too and be there with the player so it doesn't come down on Dean. And I think Bill is not afraid to hold himself accountable for the decisions that he might be making over Dean's head, right? I mean, that Dean has to answer to Bill at the end of the day. It always reminds me of Moneyball because Bill Guerin reminds me of Billy Bean, right? It's like, well, the line card's yours, right? Like the line card's mine. The, the, line, the lines are mine. But Bill Guerin can come in and say, no, this is how I want this to work. This is how I, but I, I could see, yeah. I think you're right, Judd. I think Dean is very loyal and he is a player's coach first and foremost, which is why the players respond so well to him. But I think in that case, if those situations were to come about, I would imagine Billy would have no problem being like, sorry, it's a business. We're looking to win tonight. So this is who I want in. Speaking of scratches too, how about uh, if whether it's Nyquist or Dean Evison or Bill Guerin as they're contemplating their lineups, they go to MyDollKnives.com to make sure that those knives are nice and sharpened? I don't want knives here. They're very upset. (laughs) Well, someone's going to get sliced and diced from this lineup, and you got to make sure those knives are sharpened, okay? There's nothing worse than a dull knife. If you're going to scratch someone, make sure you're really scratching them, right? Not a a dull scratch. You want a nice... Hard scratch from uh, Vivrant, which is a local business here in YZ. You can send them your knives. Go to mydullknives.com. It's okay to admit you have dull knives. Nothing wrong with that. Go to mydullknives.com. Dean, Gustav, Billy, whoever's listening to this podcast, and get those knives sharpened in the kitchen. When you're making those roster cuts or whether you're making dinner, go to mydullknives.com to learn more. All right, last thing. Start with you, Jesse. Who's your goaltender right now? After Gustav Nyquist last night stood on his bleeping head and, and Flowers played great. And like I told Dex, have you ever seen a bigger 180 between two goaltenders in terms of style? Mm-mm. Gustafson's like technically just a master of the art. He's like always perfectly positioned. Flurry's diving around. Who's your goaltender for game one right now? Philip Gustafson. Hands down, no question, no hesitation at all. I do. I think I'm glad to see Flurry has like found his way once again. I have to last the, laugh thinking thinking back to theatrics for Flurry, like that St. Louis game when he like jumped into the back of the net to try to make something. Like, I love Mark Andre Flurry, but Philip Gustafson. I think you cannot deny him that game one start again. Things could fall off the rails between now and the start, and I don't think you can make that decision until like one or two days ahead. But Gus, let's go all aboard the bus. Uh, I think it's Flurry. I think wow. they're going to give it to Flurry uh, with just because he's been playing a lot better and they trust him and he's been in the playoffs before and he's been through these situations where he loses his job. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think it should be Gustafson. I think this team come playoff time is going to give it to Mark Andre Flurry. I think that's what's going to happen for Game One. I do think that happens. I think it should be Gus. I think Declan's probably right, but like if, if we're talking about who we think should start, I think Gus should start. I think, I, I mean, again, last night, and that's a high-intensity game against a really good team, and he was just great, and I do not fault him for the Boston loss. There were some defensive breakdowns of the first class in that game that weren't his fault, Matt Dumba, and um, some pucks, throw, you know, and Matt, come on, dude. Again, I saw him throw another puck away last night. That's not playoff hockey, man. Improve that crap. But um, I'm with Jesse on thought process. I'm with Declan on Dean. And and look, you know, the one thing that's going to be great fun, and I've brought this up for a couple of weeks now, but I really do believe this. This is going to be a test of Dean as much as the players to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the playoffs last year, he was awful. Dean was awful. Didn't do anything right. Didn't adjust right. Um, so there's going to be decisions made here. There's going to have to be lines juggled at times. I know you don't want to, but you're going to have to do that. And goaltending, you're going to have to make the right call damn well before game six. 
See, and then maybe he has learned from that mistake, and that's why Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't start. I do feel, I I hear what you guys are saying, obviously, with Flower, but I think they've all kind of come around to how Gus approaches each game. Like, that kid is so calm heading into every game, so I have to imagine that would be a nice thing to have back there in game one, depending on who you face, depending on where you finish. And maybe that's it. Maybe it does come down to your opponent and who would be better fit. I mean, I think that's probably also a reason they went with Fleury last year over Talbot because Cam had played awful against St. Louis. So it made sense to maybe go flurry. So there's all the things to consider. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and find out, which, you know, I do think if you, if you started the Gus bus, it's a vote of confidence that that would help him. Flurry should be fine with that. Like professional pride hurt a little bit, but I don't think flurry should be like shaken. Oh, I'm not starting. This is BS. First of all, if Gus struggles, he's in second of all, he's almost 40. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I will say this, if you give, if Gustafson continues to play the way that he's playing for the most part, and you give him the game one start, that is a jolt of confidence that you are going to take away if he doesn't start that game. Mm-hmm. I just, I think for me, that's something I'll believe from Dean when I see it. Fair. Like I need to see it. And if he does it, good for him. All right, we're done. Jesse Pierce, Bar Down Beauties, uh, the Before I Die in season viking a podcast with our guy thor on score north she does a fantastic job and of course check out her written work nhl.com because jesse never really rests he's declan i'm judd we'll talk to you with jesse next next week you know there's no room for petty bull